You're listening to the Brown Trout and Bridge Beers Podcast. Welcome back. It's it's been a while. We took a little bit of a summer break, um, if we want to call it that. But we are back on schedule for another Brown Trout and Bridge Beers podcast. Uh, it's September, I think. Sometime we're all confused on what day it actually is. But we do have a special guest with us today. Of course, we have Matt. Matt. Hello. Matt. Matt's rolling in from Cottage Grove, and of course, we're doing this from Zoom. And we've got our buddy Doggy Daddy on the podcast with us. Howdy. Howdy. Um, Howdy. Mr. Johnson, why don't you uh, give us a little quick intro? Tell us about yourself. Uh, Mike Johnson. I, uh, I am the doggy daddy because my children are bulldogs, like actual bulldogs. Um, and, uh, you know. How much do those things weigh? Uh, butter is about 75, 80 and pearls about 65. Dang. And they're like, they're like all of 12 inches tall. Yeah, Butter looks big, but my last Bulldog, Gus, he was 95 pounds. So Butter still looks like just a little boy to me. So, <laughs> uh, but they're awesome. They're, they're fun. And then uh, they, you know, I'm, I'm not fast running by any means and neither are they. So perfect relation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a fly fishing dude um, to a, to probably a fault. Um, I, uh, I am the pro- program lead of Veterans on the Fly out of um, Southern Wisconsin TU's Madison chapter. Um, so, uh, my kind of mission in life is to get vets on the water. Um, I'm also the co-chair for the state of Wisconsin with Trotta Limited's their service partnership. And I'm also on the national committee, um, of the service partnership to, uh, you know, TU, um, has a lot of funds to do other kinds of things, improvements and all kinds of things. They're a great organization, but years ago, they kind of decided that they needed to uh, do something for veterans and first responders. And so that's what we, we do in Madison, all over the state and, and nationwide. So. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, how does a, how does a kid from Chicago end up in Wisconsin start fly fishing? Um, with the the Boston Red Sox sign. With the Boston Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah. My dad, White Sox fan. So I I had to be against my dad. And and so the Red Sox (laughs) were. Um, but so that's where, that's where my love of, of the Red Sox, uh, you know, he taught me to hate the Cubs. So I couldn't be a Cubs fan. He he really spilled the pure hatreds of Cubs land in me. Um, but so I had to be a Red Sox fan just so we could have a little rivalry. And we used to go see games in the spring. Uh, and usually uh, Boston comes when it's negative 40 out on the south side there. So Perfect. I had to see frozen games um, with him. But, uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago, outside of Chicago, like uh, most people in Wisconsin seem to have done. Um, but it just Wisconsin just was uh, somewhere I always wanted to go, somewhere where I always wanted to recreate. So I've been up here for over 20 years. Um, and that's really where I started, uh, fly fishing. I started, um, fly fishing when I lived just South of the border. And, um, I heard tale of these giant salmon that were running up the stream and I had a fly rod, a buddy gave me once we just caught bluegills with, and I'm like, well, I can do that. And so I used to jump the border and go hunt the salmon and the pike and the root and up down to Milwaukee. And, um, that kind of, you know, it's, it's difficult to go out in the driftless and catch little trout when you've been kind of raised on catching Kings <laughs> on the flies. So, uh, yeah. So I love my driftless trout, but uh, I like the bigger stuff. That's uh, kind of where I cut my teeth. And yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. I've probably been over 25 years. I've been been uh, been fly fishing. So I, I look like a three-year-old. You give me a regular rod, I, I really look like a three-year-old that doesn't know what thumbs how thumbs work. <laughs> I'm horrible yeah. with the regular gear. But, uh, but yeah, that's my passion is uh, good old fly fishing. With uh, just curiosity here, because, well... You've been you've been in the game or playing the game for twenty five plus years. What's a trend that you see today in fly fishing that twenty years ago you'd have been like, "Are you kidding me? That that's not real." Um, I don't know, man. It seems it seems like like everyone still gets upset with um 
with like my secret spots and there are no secret spots. There haven't been secret spots for 20 years. The only secret spots are the ones you have to work to get to the ones you have to row for five hours to get to the one you got to hike two miles. in. those are the secret spots. So everyone with this whole, uh, you know, social media is, is a double edged sword, but this, Oh, you're, you know, you're highlighting my spots or you got to blur out the background. And, and that's just like ridiculous. Everyone knows where to fish. <laughs> everyone knows what everyone knows. Yeah. They're and all in the Yellowstone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the Yellowstone, of course. <laughs> but, um, but you know, I get, I even get grief sometimes for taking pictures and it's like, Hey guys, there is secret spots. You just got to hike three miles out to get to them. So that's kind of something I see people with the whole spot burn thing is, is like, Hey man, it, it's, that's the beauty of being in Wisconsin here is we, you know, we all own the water and I can walk through your backyard if there's a, you know, navigable waterway in the back of it. So, yep. so that's the beauty of where we are. There's no private water. You can get to everywhere. And, and I think you should share that. I mean, I grew up in the day of, um, of clubs. We had fishing clubs, you know, all over the place. And now with the internet, it, it kind of seems like people can, you know, watch a YouTube video and think they know how to do it. And, you know, that, that mentorship is something I think is missing today. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see more mentoring happen. And, um, you know, you used to have to go to these like wizards on a mountaintop to, uh, to learn how to do things. And, and now you can watch a YouTube video, but it's still doesn't take that place that yeah you used to have to hang out at the fly shop you know mm-hmm. day after day after day until you know some guy took you under his wing and you know said hey let's go fishing okay perfect awesome yeah no it's it's you know? 100% right i mean you kind of didn't know where to go i mean there were some worn out books in the library on fly fishing and and i'm i was really blessed to have a fantastic club in uh, in milwaukee where i met some great guys and you bought them a couple beers and then their lips loosened up a little bit and they tell you a good spot or if you really got lucky they'd invite you out fishing with them and you know that's how i learned it one on one with with the mentor so yeah and is that what you guys you know with the veterans on the fly is that what you're kind of striving to do is create more of that club atmosphere instead of the single event every quarter kind of thing. Yeah. You know, we're not, there's some great, like take a bet fishing things where, you know, once a year they have an event and take a bunch of guys out and those are great things, but kind of the way we operate is a very loose, loosely based club kind of club kind of atmosphere where come when you can. I mean, life gets in the way of, of doing all kinds of fun things. So we try to do a weekly meetup either in the, in the summertime, we meet up on the water in the winter. We, we tie flies at the VA or this year we're going to be at a VFW in Madison. So we kind of just have a, a thing where we've got some incredible instructors, some professional guides, some old hats that have been doing it for a straight up 50 years. And um, we just have some good resources available. And, you know, the neat thing about the way we do it is if you want an instructor, we got them for you. If you just want to grab a rod and go off by yourself, you can do that. So that's really what we try to do is just have a comfortable atmosphere where, you know, guys can bullshit, guys can learn some things, guys can get geared up and, uh, and just kind of, you know, make it a relaxed atmosphere because, you know, I'm not a counselor. I don't, you know, I don't try to counsel guys, but I think uh, all of us as fly fishermen can know that, you know, the water is a healing thing. I mean, you can have the most stressful day on the planet and go on the water and in 10 minutes, you've forgotten about all that. So, so our goal is to get guys on the water and cause we know water heals. So that's, have you ever, that's, have you ever fished with Grant? That's pretty stressful. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather be at work. I was, I was, I was <laughs> going to say trout fishing is not stressful. Uh, I don't think musky well, fishing on the other hand, then you should just admit yourself into the psychiatric ward. You know, it, it's easy for me because I started as a steelheader. And so it's the same frustration, the same insane environment. It's the same work all day for maybe a fish. So like that's been in my blood since day one. So musky is just like, you know, just another, just a different time of year. It's so, another fish you're not catching all day long. It's another fish I'm not catching all day. But, you know, like everyone always says, you know, these fish don't live in ugly spots. I mean, unless it's a root river in Racine. But, <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. I, I love, I, I look forward to musky fishing. I look forward to being a little cold. And uh, it's insane. It's just, it's the most stupidest way to catch a fish ever. But, um, but it's a blast, man. It's a riddle to figure out. And that's what I love doing. So you guys yeah. do, you guys do take trout trout trips though with with the veterans right you guys go target i mean you're so close to kind of that primo driftless area there in wisconsin um what's yeah, what's your what's your favorite time to take groups out down there and in, in the driftless 
Um, Hopper time, which is right now within this last month here, hoppers seem to be a lot more forgiving. I mean, you don't have to have the perfect cast. It's not, you don't worry about what's hatching. So hopper time, like we've got a camp out coming up. We'll be in uh, Avalanche, uh, Wisconsin at the West Fork Sportsman's Club on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday with my guys. And it's just a real super informal, you know, bring a tent, hang out. And, um, and we bounce around out there, but the hopper time is perfect, especially for beginners. You have that instant gratification. I mean, driftless trout are not the smartest things in the world. The cast can be difficult. So I'd say hopper time is great, but then the other great time is spring because the weeds aren't five feet tall. Yeah. So, um, it can be a very frustrating thing, not as frustrating as musky, but, um, but you know, in the springtime, the weeds aren't six feet high and your back casts aren't just constantly going and wrapping around uh, Queen Anne's lace or something like that. So this time of year is a little frustrating with the weeds, but um, the hopper action is just ridiculous. So, so are you, um, in, in some cases taking the same groups of, of your winter tying guys. So like kind of the club, are you tying for trips coming up at all? Like up in the summertime, or are you guys just kind of doing like tying demos throughout that? I guess my question was, be kind of fun to have the guys tie their own hoppers because it's fun sure. and then go out and just crush hopper fish all day. Sure. I mean, that's definitely, um, well, something we'll do. We've got, um, a couple of our instructors are, are like absolutely incredible tires. So we're very lucky. So every week we'll do a different pattern with a different instructor and, um, we provide all the equipment, all the vices, all the tying materials. And then it's, it's neat to have, we have such a spread of guys. I mean, we've got guys that tie musky flies. We've got guys that are tie these ultra realistic flies. We've got, you know, guys that are the dry flies, you know, Jedi masters. So we have like a nice bunch and we kind of, you know, keep it fresh. It depends like who shows up really. If we have a bunch of beginners, we'll work on something easier. If we have some advanced guys, you know, we'll definitely step it up a notch and, and take it to the next level. Um, but, you know, it, it's neat to, to have, we're so blessed in Wisconsin to have all kinds of fishing from bluegill to muskie to trout to steelhead. So it's kind of neat. We really can't go wrong, you know, tying any pattern. Hmm. So we kind of stick with the basics. And if someone gets bored, we'll, we'll try something, you know, a little more exciting, but um, you know, we meet up quite a bit. I think um, our normal volunteer hours are like over 1300 hours a year, just in volunteer hours. That's not including. That's incredible. So we tie, you know, we tie weekly in the winter. Um, with COVID's kind of put a, a tamper, a damper on things. Cause we used to tie it to VA and had last year and this year, they're both completely shut down to volunteers. Um, they're starting to open up, but you know, it could change in a minute. So this year we're going to be tying it to VFW uh, where we can, we can use their room, but um, you know, to just do it weekly. I've got some people that come out that just tie flies. They don't, um, they don't even fish. Right. Just the whole concept of tying flies and just the concentration it takes and the suspension of reality. So I've got guys that literally strictly just tie and never fish. So it's, it's a, it's a neat bunch of guys. It's some really interesting people, some awesome people to be hanging out with. And uh, I love it, man. I love it. It's got me back tying. I was out of the tying game for probably a decade. Cause I just had so many great friends that tied so well. It was like, well, what am I doing this for? And it yep. kind of got bug again. So, you know, so I'm back tying again now with complete sickness as always. So. <laughs> yeah, that is a sickness keeps you busy for sure that's that's the way to do it we're lucky we have long winters because i mean if we didn't if we didn't have, if we had 24 7 365 fish and i don't think i'd tie but it gets awfully lonely in the winter so i'll be down this i'm in my little hole right here this is me and the water heater and the water softener and my little <laughs> six foot by six foot room i've been sequestered to so i can keep my mess contained and it's uh it's a mess so that's say, pretty good. I say I see some fish photos back there. I think I see yeah. some steelhead, maybe. We got, we got steelhead. We got my first ever muskie back there. So just um, this is where I get to put all my stuff. My wife's not too hip on uh, on decorating with decoys and all kinds of fun stuff. So this is where I can put my decoys, my fish decoys, all my junk, and uh, to my heart's content, I can I can clutter up this room. So yeah, I was gonna say wives like to be able to shut the door on our mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I had think, a nice mantle. Oh, like, get that out of there. It's going. So, closest I ever came to decorating. I think if Ashley had her choice, she'd put me out in the back shed. Um, I think that's why she keeps suggesting that we get a shed back out there with electricity mm-hmm. and just put me out there. Your your she shed. My she shed. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Not a, not a bad thing at all. No. <laughs> with, uh, 
you know, specifically like with trout fishing, the the mentors that you were working with out at Milwaukee, Milwaukee Club, right? Yeah. Were you guys mainly targeting steelhead or were there some adventures, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago into the driftless at, at that time? There were definitely some, you know, the driftless stuff was pretty good. You know, a lot of, a lot of those guys concentrated like hex hatch fishing and things like that. I mean, those guys were pretty specific. Um, I was super lucky to, um, to spend time with Royce Dam. Um, Royce Dam was a Marine on Iwo Jima. Just a fantastic guy. And uh, he, I didn't even know who he was. He was an old guy that had a bunch of cool stories. And he was such a prolific tire. They sent him to Bhutan to set up a, like a fly tying sweatshop out there. So he used to tie commercial. Oh, Jesus. And um, he would tie these married wing salmon flies, which are just the most insane thing you can possibly do. And so I was lucky enough to be friends with them. And he was getting older at the time. So I would drive. And uh, he taught me the hex hatch. He taught me how to tie. And so just super lucky to have guys like that. They were just so full of knowledge. You could never, you know, even imagine being out there and um, just super lucky to, to have someone like that, that took me under his wing. And, you know, maybe that's where I got the bug for the whole, um, you know, fishing with veterans thing, but, but it's been, uh, it's been a fantastic ride and I'd love to pass that on. Yeah. So, so with that, I mean, is that, is that, was that kind of your first step into, um, you know, fishing with veterans? What, what was the, I guess, next steps after that, that got you into the organization you're in today? Well, you know, the biggest thing is there's um, like, we all have these like skills and my skill is, is fly fishing. And it's something, you know, a lot of people thank guys for their service and that's a great thing to do, but, but you can, you have these skills that you can use to pass on. And it's a, it's just a great thing. And, and um, you know, my father's a veteran, my uncles are all veterans, my grandparents are veterans. So I have veterans in my family and I've been around veterans my whole life. So it's not like, you know, this weird thing to be hanging out with a veteran. I've hung out with them since I was born. Um, but it's one of those things where if you could give back, you know, writing a check is great if you've got the money to write a check, but there's so many neat opportunities just to, to do something you love and pass it on. And, and doing this just, it makes a big, you know, a big difference for me. Uh, I lost my, my young cousin um, in 2008 in Iraq and I kind of was looking for something to do. You know, I was very upset about it at the time and, and, uh, and I wanted to do something to help and figuring helping the guys that came back, maybe that was the, the best the best thing I could do with my time, you know, being a retired man, I retired at a fairly young age that, that I've got time on my hands to give. So, so this was kind of a way I bounced around a little bit. There's a lot of weird organizations out there that are, that say they're veterans organizations, but they just want to have parties and fundraisers and, and there's not, not a lot of boots on the ground kind of stuff. So hooking up with TU and, and what they were doing is just, it's a fantastic place to go. Um, you know, a lot of people want to make their own thing. I want to make my own charity and all that stuff. And that's great. But there's so many incredible operations already out there. Like, um, you can definitely, uh, you know, lend your time and effort in, in that regard. So I was really lucky to have a fantastic group of guys in Madison, um, that have been doing it for years. And I was able to slip right in and give them my time. And, uh, it's just, it's just a super passionate about it. It's, it's just a blast. It's a great time. Do you guys, do you guys get a lot of people that come out? to your events i mean or is it the same same group of guys show up for tying that go fishing or do you see new people cycling through yeah we, we really do um it's kind of a mix you know we don't we never know who's going to show up or when we don't take attendance or anything like that or have a sign-up sheet we just we're going this is where we're going to be we're going to have gear and instructors and i've got it just my instructors are incredible i've got you know a core group of probably five six instructors that literally show up every time and sometimes we have two or three guys. Sometimes we have 10 guys, but, but nothing, you know, we don't have like 50 or hundred guys show up at an event. I think that would be out of control. So we try just to keep it low key. Like I said, a club type atmosphere. So we get a half a dozen guys show up. If you want an instructor to work on casting, you can go, we kind of call all our meetups classes, like uh, casting classes, even though most of the time we're just fishing, but it kind of helps people that have never done it before you know, take that initial, like, uh, like just a weirdness with all the gear. I mean, all this knucklehead gear we have is so stupid <laughs> that uh, it really takes someone to show you what the heck is going on. So, so we always try to have, you know, if you at a great fishing spots or, you know, Madison is so blessed to have all these incredible County parks and stuff that are with great, you know, areas to park. And if, during the week, we usually go on Wednesdays during the week, you can kind of have it to ourselves. So it's, it's neat just to, to meet guys on the river, but you know, it's not like a hundred people showing up. It's, it's pretty low key. Right. And so you're in, uh, you said the Madison area, are there other, um, 
veterans on the flies around, you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota. So, yeah. So veterans on the fly is what we call ourselves. That's just mm-hmm. our okay. the name of the group. Um, but what it is is Trout Unlimited Service Partnership. So throughout the state, there's about five or six active chapters um, doing kind of veterans meetup and first responders. So, so with all the COVID times and all the crazy, we've, we've expanded the group, not just to be in veterans, but also um, first responders as well. So, so throughout the state, all the, the chapters of TU, there's 20 something chapters, all, you know, we'd like to have them all do something, whether it's just, you know, meeting up one time a year or having a, a group like we're doing, you know, it's like whatever you can do. So my goal is to, you know, go throughout the state and try to be a resource to everybody that wants to do a program. This So if someone wants to do a program, like my, my information's out there, please contact me and uh, we can get you set up. And like I said, Trout Limit has been fantastic for us, providing gear and providing instructors and just providing an incredible place for us to be. So, so I, I love Trout Limit. They're, they're my fave. How would uh, how would veterans go about um, getting started or set up with with you guys in the instructions? Well, definitely they can either we have a Facebook page and a Instagram page, um, Veterans on the Fly um, in Madison. But I can also re- use resources throughout the state. Um, we've also kind of partnered up with other groups. There's a, a really cool group called Team RWB, Team Red, White and Blue. And they're like a veteran group, um, mostly veteran run, that uh, operate throughout the country. And they do outdoor activities. They do hikes. They do bicycles. They do marathons, outdoor activities, just like kayaking, the whole nine yards. So right. we kind of see ourselves as a resource to other groups that will maybe want to do a fly fishing event. Um, there's other groups like Wisconsin Hero Outdoors, where they do a lot of fishing and kayaking, conventional fishing. But we're kind of like helping them out with the, in the fly fishing realm where we have the gear and the instructors because it's so specialized. So we kind of use ourselves as a, as a resource to other groups. So just contacting myself and if I can't get you hooked up with someone locally around. I had a guy talk to me from uh, St. Louis the other day, and, and we're trying to get him hooked up with a, with a group in St. Louis. So it's all about getting known. There's a lot of people doing great things out there, but it's uh, it's hard to find them sometimes when you're looking for them. Right. Yeah. Do you find it's a lot of word of mouth? You know, this guy told that guy and brought a buddy. And Yeah. I mean, the VA has been a great resource to us for their like mental health kind of a, a department. We, we work really directly with those guys a lot. and They'll, they'll refer guys to us. Um, also the social media has been great. I've met, uh, you know, probably in the last year, maybe a dozen or more guys just found us, stumbled upon us on social media. That's so great. those tags work. So, you know, anytime I can get the word off, I'll, I'll talk anybody's ear off, uh, just to get the ear, you know, the word out on it, because there's great people all over the country doing cool things, but you know, no one has, I don't have an advertising budget. So the hardest thing is getting the word out, you know, word out from what you're doing. So that's the hardest thing, but, you know, doing things like this podcasts and, and making posts on social media and, and things and, and people sharing our stuff, you know, that's how, how we survive. So. Yeah. Every little bit helps. Yeah, no, it does. So, and maybe I missed this there. How long have you been with or with the chapter through Addison? I've been probably running it for about the last two and a half, three years and probably with them about four years now. It's, okay. I think it's been a- Four years. Our group has been, um, uh, my good friend, Mike Berta started it out probably about eight years ago. Um, and he started out as project healing waters. Okay. Healing waters a great group. Um, they strictly deal with disabled veterans and, uh, you know, we had a, you know, a need in our community for, you know, family members and non-disabled veterans to come out as well. So we kind of broke, um, step from them and started our own thing. That's where veterans on the fly came from was just, we wanted to be more inclusive and, and serve more people. And, you know, your, your support structure is what you need in this world and it's your family, it's your friends and, and we don't have any rules. So we, we welcome everybody. And if you want to bring your fishing buddy, if you want to bring your son or daughter or your spouse, you're very welcome to, and having no rules is, is the way I like to place. It, it's, <laughs> it's easier for us. And it's, uh, it's just, it's just easier when there's no, um, you know, no barriers to, to go out and having a good time. So. Right. And that, that might help some people who might be a little bit more on the introvert side or, you sure. know, a little shy and they can bring their, their daughter or their son or their dad and they can get out there and get fishing. That's just yeah. good for the sport. Cause we're just going to get more people addicted to fly fishing. Well, it's kind of, you know, that's kind of on the national level with Trout Unlimited. It's, it's they're a little selfish 
um, that you don't know about is there's this, our veteran community is an incredible bunch of leaders. So as a byproduct of, you know, maybe taking some veterans fishing, you know, we've got some incredible leaders that have joined our fold in TU nationwide. So it's this great kind of untapped resource of natural born leaders um, that help TU. And we've had some fantastic people, um, you know, come from our veteran community into TU and step up and, and do good things. So, you know, it works both ways. Like when you come with us, you get a free one-year membership to Trout Unlimited. National gives that to us. And then, um, you know, we get these great leaders that are, are interested in what, you know, doing what we're doing. And the more you have fun with this, the more you love it, the, the more you want to protect it. So it's kind of a full circle thing with Trout Unlimited. Not only are we helping veterans, but veterans are, are helping us as well. So it's a big deal. What's, uh, what's the coolest fish that somebody from the club got on one of your outings? <laughs> Oh, we've definitely had some killer smallmouth and some big trouts. Um, one of the fun things we do is um, we have a, a really cool uh, place called Rushing Waters uh, Trout Farm out um, in Lomira. Over is it Lomira? Um, over by where the the um, Southern Kettle Moraine starts, and it's a trout farm, and he lets us fish his ponds. So um, he'll have an order for like a hundred fish, and we'll have maybe a dozen guys there. And he's like, "I need a hundred trout, go." So that is pretty fantastic. And he usually has some serious brood stock out there and we've caught legit, you know, 28 inch, in, uh, you know, trout in those ponds or, or those ponds are, you know, to shooting fish in a barrel, but it's, uh, it's still a blast catching that, uh, you know, are you guys just putting like sweet corn on a hook and toss it out there. <laughs> Normally that's how they do just, you know, worms, but he's, uh, they're very gracious to us. Our, our veteran group out there, he takes care of us and, uh, in the Milwaukee group. And, uh, we just go out there and crush them on flies. Um, we, we have to, you know, there's rules being the fact that it's a food thing. Like all our flies are new. All our lines are new. All our rods have been out of the water for over two weeks. So, you know, yeah. we've got to play uh play good with that but it's a blast just shooting fish in a barrel it's does, pretty he, does he let you slab up a couple for dinner after you go and catch all of his fish for him they're all available in the gift shop already uh <laughs> already deboned and smoked even if you want so uh that's fantastic no, out there at rushing waters is, is very gracious to us and uh, he's fantastic um just in and in the trout is is unbelievable it's it's just really good stuff so so those are neat things you know we have we've got some you know, we usually get to do pretty good um, fishing. Trout fishing out in the driftless is tricky, especially when you, you're just saying we're going Wednesday and you're not really, you know, if you, the conditions almost have to be perfect for you to really do good. But we've had some some really good success. You know, it's it's a difficult thing, but it's really hard to do on your own. So it's great having a, a group of people that are there to, you know, give you some hints and tips and and everyone's, you know, handing each other flies and stuff. It's a, it's a pretty neat experience. So it's so. It's, so with a big group of individuals like this, I got to imagine there's got to be streamside snacks. Oh, so absolutely. <laughs> what's, what's the game plan when you got a, you know, you got this uh, camping event coming up. What's, what's the smorgasbord? So I'm usually a pretty ridiculous cook. You know, I didn't get this big bite McDonald's. I'm, I'm uh, kind of a ridiculous <laughs> cook So So even when we did our first big trip, we took, uh, we took 10 vets from around the state up to, um, to Hayward and fish in the Amacogany in St. Croix. And I have a huge paella pan. So I'm usually pretty good about um, doing a big breakfast or, or doing uh, Italian beefs or something to that effect. So this weekend, I think we're just going to do some brats and burgers um, and maybe a kind of a grab and go kind of breakfast deal. So nothing too crazy, um, but some, I got the, I got to head to the butcher shop tomorrow and, and stock up on some fantastic brats. So <laughs> Just something simple this weekend, but uh, yeah, I take it pretty seriously when, especially when we go up, uh, you know, on a statewide trip, I, I want those guys to want for nothing. And, um, you know, meals are a big part of it. And, you know, it's logistically, it's difficult to feed, you know, 10 guys and a bunch of instructors. Yeah. It's a tricky thing. So I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I, my background, like where the doggy daddy comes from is I had a hot dog cart um, for many years. So, so I'm used to cooking uh, a bunch yes. of good stuff in rapid succession. So that's where the, the, really the doggy daddy comes from is the, the doggy daddy hot dogs. But right. uh, I'm used to cooking for a crowd. So we, they don't go away hungry. That's for sure. I mean, that's all Grant and I bring is hot dogs and pop tarts and <laughs> and summer sausage. Yeah, it's not a bad thing, you know. We usually, uh, you know, I'm lucky. We usually, um, especially when we go over to Michigan, fish and steelhead and stuff. We usually bring not only a ton of beer, but uh, but a ton of steaks and brats and pork chops, and it's just that's half the fun for me. Like I, I 
every boat I've ever owned has a grill in it. I, I, I'm not a saying, I don't go, we want like cold sandwiches when we're on the water, you know, we'll cook hot wings or Buffalo burgers or brats, you know, the, the hot meal is, is a, a key element of, of fishing. You know, so many guys are, are, you know, want numbers. I want to catch a hundred fish. I want to do this. I'm going to catch the biggest. I'm going to catch the best. And, you know, to me, it's about the boat ride. And to me, it's about the experience. And, and you know, all that stuff is secondary. The, the catching a fish almost interrupts a, a nice day. So, so I'm, big on, I'm big on the whole experience. I want to be out there. Maybe it's just because I'm, you know, now I'm 51 years old and I've, I've caught fish. I've caught big fish. I've caught the most fish. Maybe I'm just at a point where I just want to roll my boat and, and keep my people in my boat happy and fed. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's the fun of it for me is, is catching fish is, is, is secondary, really. Yeah. And, and we've talked about that on the podcast quite a few times that, you know, it's not necessarily about just catching fish, you know, it's who you're with, you know, the whole experience. And, you know, that's kind of where brown trout and bridge beers first came about was, you know, it's not about, it's not about the fish. It's, it's about, you know, the experience and the people that you're with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's nothing, the whole brown trout and bridge beers concept is, there's nothing better than at the end of a day or even before you even jump on the water, sitting there on a bridge, just looking at the water, crushing a couple beers. I mean, that's, that's heaven right there for me. hundred percent. Yeah. I got, I got to ask what's your, uh, what's your grill set up on your boat? I've for years had the little Weber, um, the little black Weber for years and years and years. And I upgraded the smoky to the, Joe. It's not a smoky show. It's like the weird, it's the gas, the propane powered one, but it's like the little square black thing. Like the tailgater or something like that. Beat them up. They're inexpensive. They last. I've had one I had was probably six, eight years old. And then I switched up to the, um, the Weber Q, which is like more of a cast, um, cast, like, you know, tin setup, which works really good. It keeps the heat in pretty good. Um, the new boat though, I've got coming is going to have a, a Traeger on it, a little Traeger Ranger on it. So, so we're, we're stepping up the game and we can smoke meats at uh, 30 miles an hour now. So, so that's the plan. Uh, whenever the boat gets here, uh, it will have a Traeger on it. So I'm, I'm excited for that. You guys are going to be just rolling pork shoulders down the river. And then we're just going <laughs> to, that's how mad I will find you on the river. I'm like, he's smell that i smell pork butt better get on the river soon smoke. yeah pulled pork that would be a pretty fantastic pretty fantastic jam out there so that would be amazing i'm just so thinking you, of like summer think, like breakfast sausage wrapped in bacon and making egg sandwiches and all of that like fun breakfast stuff on a boat yeah a smoker would be fantastic yeah it's the hot setup it, it, you know having a girl on a boat like i said is, is a necessity it's just especially you know i started drift boating and steelheading and then now with musky times it's cold out there and it, it's just eating a cold sandwich out of the cooler. is just so depressing. I mean, you go by <laughs> some guys in the Pierre Marquette and they're eating a sandwich and you can just see they're cold and sad. And we pull over and fire up some brats or some steaks. I mean, that just, it, it gets your attitude, get your head back in the game, you know, especially a long day of musky hunting, like nothing resets you rather than, you know, some hot wings and a brat. And it just, it, it resets you to get back and, and brutalize yourself again. So yeah, I think the only thing that got us through our bighorn trip this April was knowing that around noontime where the boat was pulling over, the grill, the grill was coming out and we were going to make hot dogs uh, on the shore. And I think a couple of days right after lunch, we ended up catching nice fish, like two of the days out of that Maybe. one stretch. So it gets your head back in the game and it just resets you. You, you. you start doing, you know, especially on longer trips like that, especially when things aren't going, you know, like you planned. It's just you get in that groove where you're making the same dumb casts and the same dumb mistakes. And it's just like having a good meal just resets you. It, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah, good food, a little nap, and, you know, you're ready to go again. No, 100%. That's, uh, that's the way you want to be. It's, it's, it's the experience. I don't, I don't care, really. I mean, I, I want to catch fish. I, I put all the effort in it. I want to catch fish. But, um, but like, the boat ride is, is so much more fantastic. And, and spending the day with good buddies, I mean, that's well, that's part of the deal. You know, being out there by yourself is fun, but you know, doing it for the gram is not fun. Doing it for no. <laughs> with you know two other guys or six other guys and all your buddies with you. I mean, that's just that's fantastic, man. That's high adventure right there. So yep. and even when things are going wrong, there's nothing there's nothing better than things going wrong with six of your buddies with you. Oh I mean, man, yeah. Some of the best one-liners or just shit talking will occur. <laughs> 
on those type of days. Well, well they say, you know, that's adventure begins when, when uh, something goes wrong. So gotta switch I, it up. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. What, what kind of tasty beverage you got there, Mike? This is the last of the summer wine, as they say. Oh got the, boy. Oh, the, the shandy. Last of the, last of the summer shandy. So I got to suck it up. They're, uh, most of the places have down their last keg and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's candy beer, but, uh, but you, I, I love uh, you, you're a big uh, aficionado of the beer. I've noticed, you know, you look at I, the uh, doggy dad Instagram and there's, there's, you don't have to scroll very far before you get a dog picture or a beer picture. No, it's true. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I love my beers, that's for sure. And I'm I'm really blessed to know a lot of good people in the industry, a lot of good brewers and stuff, and and just have access to um to good beers. I mean, everyone's like, why don't you brew your own beer? It's like, why on earth would you brew your own beer? You have all these incredible people. Like yeah. we have the most selection of beers on the planet than we ever have. Um, so I'm just I'm lucky to know like the McMahon's up in Door County at Door County Brewing and Hacienda and then my buddy Trent over at uh, Bridge Up Brewing and they just make like really good neat stuff to have. So, I mean, it's that's a weakness of mine is a bunch of beers. So might as well have some good ones. And so last yeah. in the standy today. But uh, I love Line of Cocos, man. Line of Cocos is a blast. They, uh, they make some good stuff. And, um, you know, I know they're they're bought out by Miller and they're one of the big boys now. But um even going to Chippewa Falls, it's cool to see the brewery and, and then just a neat, you know, old school. That's where I kind of cut my teeth back in, in college in the late 80s. Like, mm-hmm. you know, fancy beer back then was a Lining Kugel Bach. That was like unheard <laughs> of. Was like, oh, my God, what is this like beer from Mars you have? Is this Lining Kugel Bach? So uh, um, Lining Kugel's original was the first beer that I ever drank. I I can't fish in the Hayward area without drinking Liney's original. Like we're going to do Treelands in a couple of weeks and oh, I always bring cases of Liney's original because I just, it doesn't feel right For being sure. up there and not. Absolutely. Yep. What are you guys going to do? I heard hams might hit, get the ax. Um, I don't think it was hams, hams. It was like hams light. Like Which is nobody, fine. Yeah, Which nobody is fine. drinks hams light. Which is fine. Okay. What I, I would got, like to propose is, you know, hams, because I know they listen to us all the time. If they could come up with a screw top, because screw top beers are the best boat beers that you could ever ask for. Because you don't or have pack, the, pack, they need, they need to make a silo screw top, 24 ounce screw oh, top beer. Now you're talking. Because oh, that would, that, two of those in your, your pack when you're walking in, that would be amazing. Yeah, if Sims still made packs with I've got hand sneak- holders on them. Yeah, I've got a sneaky thing that I found on on like Amazon for like twelve bucks or something like that. It's like a six pack sleeve holder with a strap. Oh so yeah, it's like a bandolero. Yeah, yes. same, just about. But they're all in the line and they stay, you know, fairly cold. I wouldn't call them cold, but but uh, I made a mistake once. I go with my buddy George. He's uh, George is in the flow fishing as a guide out here in Lake Geneva by us. And he is just a machine, dude. The guy works out like you can't believe. And I thought, you know, I fish. I, we pull over, have a couple beers. I do, a, you know, maybe a couple hundred yards, get back in the truck. Oh, my God, we were gone. We hiked six miles. My phone <laughs> said I climbed like 40 flights of stairs. I was like, if that van had been 10 more feet down the road, I wouldn't have made it. I collapsed. I think with my last step, I grabbed the handle of the van. So I learned right away, like two beers in your pocket is not enough for a whole day. <laughs> So yeah, I don't go out to half cocky. There, there's a fine, there's like a a fine line that you got to walk. Yes, between carrying so many beers or having enough beers. So there you go. No, it's a true thing. That's uh, always a sticky situation. And what kind of beers? If it's a hot day, you can't have you know six IPAs. You're going to be dying. You need something a little softer. So that's what that know. that's what that lemonade you're drinking is is good for. Yep. That kind of yeah. stuff. The good old stuff. I'm drinking another one too. It's um out of is it Shorts Brewing out of out of Michigan? They're um their summer parade or soft parade. Ooh, soft parade. Yeah, it's like this fruity thing that's you know, it's definitely fruity, but oh, is it good? And they just came out with the soft parade shandy. So I got I'm I'm pretty excited. I just grabbed a six pack of that. So so that's going in the case for the weekend here. So we'll see. I'll I admit it. You, uh, I think if you want um, like your most mileage per pound, um, the time we brought a 20 ounce Sims water bottle full of old fashioned 
Oh. Night fishing. There you go. Uh, now you're, that was a hell we, of a night. We weren't, we weren't too far in before. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, it'll slow you down quite and a bit. It just kind of carried us until like halfway through the night before I think we splashed the first fish. And then you crack your beer and then you kind of just mellow out the rest <laughs> of the night. But you didn't need to touch much in between those, nope. those first couple hours. Oh, that's that's the way to do it, man. That's the way to do it. Uh, I just wish there would be better uh, whiskey options in uh, plastic bottles. I mean, there's a bunch of rivers up north, too, where it's $300 fine for each piece of glass you have in your boat. So you can't yeah. bring, you know, good whiskey or something. So, you know, usually my boat's got fireball in it or something stupid like that, but it's in a plastic bottle and it can stay in there all year. I don't care. You need like those Alaska guides that have got like the four foot aluminum flasks and you just yeah. fill those full yeah, of, I mean, of whiskey. Yeah. The whiskey tastes the same no matter what it comes out of. Doesn't matter, yeah. Or, or you, you batch make some old fashions and that's that's not a bad thing. Put it in an yeah. algin bottle. Yeah, you gotta be. Um, got a shout out to my buddies at uh, my buddy Doug at uh, Soul Boxer. So that's those Soul Boxer old fashions are fantastic. They make a brandy version and a uh, a bourbon version. And are those just, are the ones you can find in the gas stations in like Green Bay area, whatever those are. They're not they're like they're little not, bottles. They're, you know, they're, they're like in proper, you know, fifths, but okay. um, they're like good, you know, California brandy, Door County cherries, like Angus or oh, bitter. Nice. Like a craft cocktail in a bottle. Their motto is um, less time making, more time drinking. So God bless them. Yeah, perfect. Um, but there's like a quality old fashioned and you just, that's a good thing to fill up a flask with. That's for sure. That's a great and You idea. know, they're, they're proper Wisconsin if they have a brandy old fashioned. Exactly. They need it's, to make a pink squirrel to go bottle that would be you need one of those crank blenders to make the pink squirrels well, it's like or like you go to a quick trip right and you can like throw that thing in the machine and it makes you your milkshake they should have those at like liquor stores for pink pink squirrels or at quick trips too that'd be fine but that's what you know the drive through at dq is for get a nice uh slurpy mr misty kind of a thing and can you add the brandy in there for me <laughs> if you want to put top. it in your mixer there you go top her off yeah. So yeah, you get the uh, Mr. Misty freeze with the ice cream in it and then top that thing off with the brandy. And that's uh that's a quality concoction there. We should uh, talk to Dr. Rivard about um, getting a Mr. Misty song about adding some brandy in there, Matt. Yeah, there you go. He, he's, not, he's not a drinker. No, but I'm sure he could acquire it for us. Somehow. Right. He, could, he could, he could make up the words. That's all he's, that matters. He's suave, suave with that. I think what you guys are doing and the whole concept of the, the brown trout and bridge beers is just like a, you know, it's a cool thing to do. And, and, you know, even with the podcast and stuff, it's, it's today is difficult to get people together. So anytime, you know, even if no one listens to your podcast, if you can get like a couple of buddies to hang out on a schedule every now and then it's an excuse to get together. Cause you know, this whole, we should get together next weekend thing. And like, you know, two years go by and you don't get together. So yeah, so yep. make excuse, man, do the podcast, make a fishing trip. You know, it's important to, uh, to stay connected with your people, man. That's a, that's a big deal. It's really important, more important than people think. Thanks, man. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, that's, that's huge. And I think, I think that was, I mean, part of it for me, I was like, this could be a really good excuse to like, Matt and I kind of regularly have to hang out and talk about fishing yeah. and drink a couple of beers. <laughs> oh, no, it's true. Sorry, Han. I've got this podcast thing I've got to at least do once a month. Um, you know, kind of helps break up the monotony of everything else. No, it's a good, it's a great thing. Even like, you know, with our, with our group, it's, it's great seeing the same, the same guys. And, you know, after, after uh, a day in the water with our group, we'll, we'll go to Culver's for dinner and just like how we have our board meetings and we'll just sit there at Culver's and plan out where we're going next week. And, and these, you know, it's those times that are, they're really important for, you know, for guys and gals to, to spend that time just to shut down and not just be, you know, working and, and doing family stuff is, is part of life, but to check out a little bit and just bullshit with your buddies is priceless. Mm -hmm. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. So we usually ask a couple, a couple of these questions. I'm going to start with one of them. Uh, what is the one fish you haven't caught yet that you still want to? I haven't caught a tarpon on a fly. I've caught a tarpon on bait and I still am sad about it, but I've never caught a tarpon on the fly. I've been fishing for them many times, but just 
my casting sucked, my stripping sucked, condition <laughs> sucked. So I caught a 60 pound tarpon and I get it. I, I'm, I'm hooked, but just, I've never put the whole tarpon thing together and it's just ridiculously expensive and you got to go to Puerto Rico or the keys or, you know, somewhere exciting, but, um, but I want to catch a tarpon on a fly. I've never, never sealed the deal with the tarpon on the fly. So, so we'll see, maybe my wife will let me go back out in Cancun uh, after explaining to her exactly what fishing in Cancun was like and what you had to drive through and where you had to go. I've been kind of forbidden to um to go fishing in cancun anymore so uh, the less they know the better off we are yeah she never knew and for decades i would go you know fishing and catch a bunch of snook and try to catch tarpon and all that stuff but um i was we were in cancun with a bunch of friends and she doesn't my wife she's seen me fish for 30 something years so she doesn't want to hear any fishing stories so we were with friends in cancun and they want to know what I was doing all day. So I told them where we went and how sketchy the neighborhoods were and a, the crazy Mexican card game. We broke up at five o'clock in the morning, walking to the dock and my wife's eyes is getting, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's like, what the hell? And I said, yeah. And there's 12 foot crocodiles. And so she kind of was like, all right, you're done. That's it. You're not doing that stupid shit anymore. So, so we'll see if I get to sneak out in the, in Cancun this spring, but uh, we'll see. Well, at least but we yeah. got her looking out for you. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. she cares. You know, someone's got to gas her car up and make her lunch. So, nobody's <laughs> got. So, what's uh, what's one fish that you've either caught or missed that you'll always remember? Like, like, is there one? Oh, I, yeah, I got a, I got a ghost that haunts me. Oh, yeah, one that you'll never, never forget. Well, you know, it's, it's even worse than, you know, fishing is hard enough, but when you screw up, it's, it's just like, it's even more haunting. And last summer with COVID and stuff, I was able to spend a lot of time up in Door County and the, the big bays on the big lake bays are just fantastic for smallmouth. And there, what people don't realize is the, there's big muskie up there too. And I had been catching a bunch of smallmouth the day before on a eat a peach leech, one of my favorite Dave Pinchkowski flies, love that fly. And I'd been catching a ton of smallmouth the day before, and it was kind of a feeding frenzy. So I quickly tied on just a clinch knot on this on this eat a peach leech, and I was catching smallies the day before. So next day I was out on the big bay, big lake on the bays and throwing just on some weed lines and under some lily pads. And slow as could be, this muskie came out. The, honestly, the biggest muskie I've ever seen came up behind the fly, slow as it wanted to, opens its mouth, inhaled, and then turned. And I got to see this monster just do that big blackness monster turn. And it's taken line. I set the hook once and I already had the picture taken in my head of me holding this monster. <laughs> and um, so I figured I better stick it one more time just to be sure. And I gave it one more tug as I'm putting on the, on the, on the reel. And it, I just, it just came back at me. You know, that feeling when it, no resistance comes back. And I look, I thought, oh, he cut me off, you know, which is acceptable. That's what happens. But I get that curly cue back at the end of the line, and it was because I tied a shitty clinch knot mm. that uh, I don't have a picture of that monster. So I that fish is haunting me. I know where she lives, and I tried this summer unsuccessfully, but uh, hopefully with the new boat coming here, um, I'm going to see that guy again. But that one, man, I saw the whole thing, and it was just beautiful. Biggest muskie I've ever had on the line. And it gets bigger every time I think about it. So, <laughs> so by this yeah. point, it's like 85 inches and growing. Yeah, it's yeah. getting bigger. That mouth was like this, I swear. <laughs> but yeah, one day. Yeah, those will those will haunt you. I've definitely had my fair share of curly cues um, come back at me. Still to this day, yeah, at I least do. once a day. Well, you know, I'm I'm pretty good at tying knots, but sometimes you get that buck fever and fish are biting, and you're just getting a fly on and getting it back out there. And, you know, I, I tell myself too, so many times you get lazy, especially musky hunting, you know, you'll be throwing something for three, four hours and not ever look at it. And, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you come back and your, your hook broke off and you've been fishing this thing for who knows how long with no hook or, you know, your, your leader is just completely afraid. If you were ever to catch a fish on that, you pop them off in a second. So, mm -hmm. so I try to tell other people and do it myself to like, look at your stuff you know, every 15, 20 minutes, like make sure like all your stuff is 
is how it's supposed to be because you know these fish don't come on very often and when they do yeah it's heartbreaking to know that you you're the reason you didn't do something right and you screwed up you know yep. fighting nature is always a battle but when you i tied to shooting that that's like that's haunting me it's haunting i'd say that a tooth nicked the line somewhere yeah i can say i can tell that the people in the bar but <laughs> between between us three i didn't know how to tie the simplest knot on the planet yeah well it's like you know grant and i it's nice fishing with you know somebody that you're familiar with and because like you said you get in that rhythm of just fishing and you haven't checked your your rig for 15 20 30 an hour you know and you've been fishing with your hook off and uh i'm fishing with grand you know we'll always you know if if i see he's not catching fish or you know if he sees i'm not catching fish we're like check your gear change something you know move move a split shot you know fish fish deeper you know change flies You've been, I've, I've been standing on the bank watching you cast for the last 20 minutes and you haven't caught a thing. Change something drunk. Yeah. yeah. Something yep. drunk. Eric, yep. this ain't, this ain't working. Well, I think that's too important too, like to, to leave the ego at home because, you know, all of us are better teachers than we are learners because you can sit there and watch what your buddy's doing wrong and give them grief about it the whole day. And you probably are doing the same thing. But, um, but I always say like, if someone's in my boat and I'm rowing, I'm like, I'm going to just nitpick you to death because i want you to catch a fish and then when you're done hearing me nitpick just tell me to shut the hell up but mm-hmm. like i'm gonna keep telling you you're dropping your back cast go over to the left more no two more feet like i'm gonna keep on you until you turn around and tell me to shut the hell up because like it's a team sport man like i want you to catch a fish worse than you do yep. Yep. you know you gotta listen to your buddies you gotta put your ego in the pocket and and uh you know and, and nothing's better than giving your buddy shit so that's part that's of us. One of the best parts of fish. it. Yeah. Why we fish. Uh, well, Mike, do you have, uh, do you have any questions for us? Um, I saw you have a hat. Is that a, is that the new Brown Trout and Bridge Beers hats? There, yeah. there are some. And actually no joke, man, I've talked about this. There's one with your name on it in a box upstairs that I need to ship to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, we've got that one. Uh, just like Matt's got on for you. So we'll get that in the mail for you. I haven't been paying attention. I was like, wait a minute. I like that hat. That's a fancy looking hat. Well, you know, as a, as a fat boy, like five X shirts are hard to come by. I got to make them myself. So, uh, <laughs> so hats are like the only fashion statement I can make on this planet. That's why I have 3000 hats. Um, 3,000. Oh, I got it. I not, I probably have 250 hats at least. They just get retired and thrown in a box. I, I can't even, I can't even bear myself to get rid of them. But yeah, uh, yeah. as a as a five X boy, I got a cool guy. The guy that does the posters for the Fly Fish and Film Tour, um, it's called Wandering Blue Lines. Yeah. Um, he, he does like that's a print. He does like woodcuts and he prints those things, and he does shirts. Okay. So I do me a run of shirts every now and then, um, where he actually uses his woodcut and rolls out the t-shirt ink and he presses the shirts into it. So they're all like one off woodcuts. Very cool. They're not stupid expensive. And my favorite musky one is it's like this zombie arm that's cut off with a fly rod in it. It's like the coolest. <laughs> thing. And that's my favorite, my, my favorite shirt of his, but yeah, check out the wandering blue line guys. We'll definitely. We'll check them out. I'll make yeah, that. Cool. Someday we'll probably do t-shirts. Yeah. It's pretty, t-shirts are cool. We've been doing like his fundraisers with, um, what is it called? I can't think of the custom ink. I believe it's called. Okay. And Mink will do like damn near one-offs. Like we've done a couple runs where we've done a fundraiser where maybe the shirt costs 15 bucks and we can sell them for 25 bucks. And they, people go right to the website and do all the ordering through them. And oh, once nice. we 20 shirts or something like that, then the run's going to be done. And they just sent us a check. It's fantastic. It's a, it's a great way doing a little fundraiser for us and be able to get some merch like this you know, for ourselves. So that's kind of a neat, a neat route to take with that. So, you know, hats are always like everyone, when we first started, everybody wanted hats. And uh, I'm like, how about we get rods guys? We need gear. Right. Like let's get gear. And then one of our instructors was like, Hey, I, I want, I want some hats. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I, I want to, you know, build our base of gear more. I want to get some rods into guys' hands. He goes, well, how much do hats cost? I'm like 50 hats are like 800 bucks. Yeah whipped out his checkbook and wrote me a check for 800 bucks and says, you want hats? I said, okay. We'll put 
That's it is. <laughs> but uh but yeah, so Will's always getting rods in the guy's hands, like uh nothing make especially during COVID. I I sent out maybe 15 rods to guys. I'm like, this That's is making- awesome that I've got, you know, like 20 rods sitting in my garage and no one's using them. Like, it makes me nuts. Like these, they're dying on the vine here. Like we got to get out. So, so I was pretty adamant last year with COVID of, of getting, you know, rods shipped out to guys because they're doing, it just breaks my heart to see these five weights sitting in my garage doing nothing. So, so with, with that said, if, if somebody, cause we didn't really cover the specifics if somebody wants to find veterans on the fly or uh, Instagram, Facebook website, what do you guys have? Sure. Yeah. No website. Cause that costs money. We're on a low budget. So um, we've got Facebook um, veterans on the fly. Um, SWTU is the, is my group out of Madison. So it's veterans on the fly. SWTU is the Instagram page and veterans on the fly on Facebook. Um, we also have a state, a statewide um, service partnership, Instagram, which I can't, I think it's W I T U service partnership. My buddy, Matt Cade, who's my partner in crime, he's a Coast Guard veteran. Him and I kind of one-two punch. Um, the state of Wisconsin being co-chairs, I think it's important to have, you know, Matt's a veteran himself and myself being a civilian, that it's it's important to have veterans in the mix in leadership with this stuff because there's a lot of civilian groups that veterans aren't too comfortable being with, but like half of my instructors are, are, um, are veterans as well. So we try to keep a good mix um, of vets out there just to, for the comfort level. Um, but then we also, if you look on the Instagram, we do a yearly trip. Um, we raised funds for the trip last year. It didn't happen. So we still have some funds and we'll do most likely next summer. We'll plan on doing another trip up North. You can donate right to um, Toronto Unlimited on the, uh, on our, there's a link in our Instagram um, or you just your local TU chapter. You can earmark any funds um, and not even funds. Like if you have some old rods and reels that are laying around, like we, we live off, off donations in that regard. Okay. We have, incredible, uh, incredible gear that's been gifted to us. And we just pass it right on to our veterans. So if you've got some old stuff laying around, you know, these maybe rod you learned on that you don't use anymore, you know, um, look up a, a group in your area, you know, just TU and tell me you want it to go to the veterans or just get it to TU. They'll, they'll get it in someone's hand that, that needs it better than your garage does. That's, yeah, for sure. that's, that's good to know. Cause I think if you, us who have been in the sport for, you know, a while, we've accumulated a lot of gear and we all have our favorite rods that we fish and, you know, the ones that just like you said, sit in the corner of the garage and, you know, why, what's the, what's the point of having, having a fishing rod that's not fishing. So yep. yeah, you know, donate it to, to some, some good organization that's going to put it to use and, and get it in someone's hands that, you know, yeah, appreciate. No, that's very true. There's, there's so many neat things you can do with just being, you know, simple, simple actions can make, make a big difference. So, so, you know, that's what we try to, I mean, I'm excited right now. We've got um, Tom from uh, Chippewa river custom rods is building us a batch of six rods, six, six, uh, five weights. That's um, awesome. We'll mm-hmm. custom on the fly rod. So I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. And I've, Tom, I've Tom's got, a great guy. I've got his, yeah, I've got his 10 weight, uh, that musky saber, which I love. And I just picked up a seven weight from him and they're just, that's a small mouth machine. I love, I love his rods. Bang for the buck. They're gorgeous. You can't beat them. Yeah. Matt and I were talking about that because we're both big fans of the synchro bank robber uh, as a streamer rod that isn't made anymore. So I think one, hopefully maybe next spring we can get up and go test a couple of Tom's six weights and I'm pretty sure we'd be converted pretty fast. That seven way to have, it's neat. It's not, um, it's, you know, it's called a fast streamer rod, but it's really, you know, it's kind of got that, that not like a, a fiberglass kind of feel, but you can feel it bend. Um, I'm, I'm a nut for Winston's and that softer Winston feel, even though they're faster rods, you can kind of feel it bend a little more and know what it's doing. And that's why I love that musky saber and that seven weights the same way. Um, whatever blanks he's using are just fantastic. They, he does it and they look, they look just beautiful. He does a great job. I mean, he used to, you know, he used to build rods for St. Croix. So, yep. so yeah. like kind of, from a professional standpoint, they're flawless. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up ordering his 12 weight a few weeks ago and that thing nice. is an absolute rocket, but like the finishing touches on it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful rod. Yeah. I mean, bang for the buck. They, they, they run with the big boys and, and what you're paying for them is, is damn near discount pricing. Yes. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and, it, and it's the only rod made in the Wisconsin Tavern. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was say, he, he closed the bar down in Wisconsin to make fishing rods. 
Yeah, well, it still has his license, so it's still legal. <laughs> yeah, you can still, you can still, we could still go get an old fashioned and watch Tom make a rod. I think yeah. that should be a next and our episode when we go there in the springtime. And it's wild. Well, we, we might have to go in the this late fall, early winter. Yeah, like that's after true, all Joe. the all the big fish are done. Yeah. Yep. Well, hopefully my boat gets here soon, man. So just know you guys always got a seat in the boat. I'm always looking for for troublemakers to come with. So. Well, and you get up here towards the Twin Cities, and uh, yeah. we don't have Traegers, but we've got other grilling grilling things that we can we can do some grill outs and eat some food. Yeah, you know what's the what's the biggest thing is a, is a steak with an asshole is a horrible meal, but a hot dog with a good guy is uh, is is incredible. That's where you want to be living. That's living large. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that. Well, Mike, I, I appreciate you taking the time to to hang out with us tonight. Um, I'm, I'm glad we could get you on for our, our kickoff of doing podcasts again. So thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for letting me get the word out. Like I said, um, you know, use me as a resource, even if you're not in Wisconsin. Um, you know, I've got friends throughout the country doing kind of similar things. Um, so, you know, definitely use me as a resource. Feel free to put my, that's my, my cell phone in there. And, uh, and anytime you're messaging veterans on the fly, you're messaging right to me. Um, we're a small awesome. group. None of us are paid. We're hundred percent volunteer. Um, so we can get you hooked up with something in your area. I, like I said, I know guys throughout the state that are, are doing similar things that we are in Madison. So, you know, if you're looking to get out or, you know, a veteran pass it on to them because, uh, you know, getting our, our warriors out on the water is, uh, is, a, is a special thing and, and, uh, it's a blast doing it. So yep. and we'll link, we'll link to all this stuff in the, in the show notes. Yeah. I'll put it in the show notes and yeah, appreciate that, it, everybody can find you. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I know you boys always got a, a cold beer in my cooler with your name on it. So, uh, Hey, be, be careful with that. Appreciate, that. Hey, man, that's what appreciate that's what, it. Well, keep, keep on, keep on guys. I've enjoyed your, your cast over the years here and, uh, enjoy your attitude towards fishing and uh it's it's awesome to to get to hang with you guys so rock and roll well thank you give those bulldogs a little head scratch for us and we'll we'll talk to you soon yeah thank you much guys take care thanks Bye -bye. bye